Oh, oh we're making dates. Date plans. Let's go. Clyde's. We're going to Clyde's, baby. Oh, go to Clyde's. What's Corona, Clyde's? The three of us. What is Clyde's? Love Corona. What is Clyde's? Clyde's. It's like a local it's, haunt for it's, you guys. It's a local haunt, but there's a bunch of them. Oh, yeah, I mean. Chain. Yeah, That's we're cool. not going to a chain. We're going to somewhere better. Clyde's is not a chain. Um, it just there's it's a local haunt with a bunch of locations. Let's whoa, do, let's do that feels like a chain. or something. Like there's something we could do better than than Clyde's. Right. You damn right. <laughs> oh. Well, hey guys, welcome to an episode of Debatable, a fake television show where we debate nothing. That is sponsored now by Corona. Shout out to Corona. Dominique Foxworth is vibing up and down your screen in front of another screen that is either showing an ESPN channel or maybe like, I'm hoping for Con Air, Kevin Clark, who is right there. Hello, Kevin Hi. Clark. I, uh, What's going on on the screen I'm behind I'm in the same building Dominique. as Dominique right now. Oh, wow. Yeah, TV we're, I'll, I'll crash the screen if you want. Jump oh, over yeah. there and there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you guys want to... Hollywood squares it up a little bit. I'm sure oh, Alabaster will not mind frames? that at all. What if we? What yep. if? What if we kind of uh, shot with each other's like to the back of each other, kind of like Dunkirk, where you can see <laughs> the, the scenes. If you look, you can see the background. The that guy. Just dun- just Christopher can... Nolan. At, no, no one it up. Yeah, if you guys can FaceTime each other and do yeah. a long single tracking shot as well, that we could sort of show the and viewer. A, uh, What's the best Christopher noise? Nolan movie? A ticking noise the whole time. There's yeah, a lot of things Christopher uh, Nolan could do with this show that Alabaster is not done. Uh, the best Christopher Nolan movie is Memento. And mm-hmm. Alabaster, I think, does feel like a person who wants to forget everything that we have done already. So. Just, just the things that I've done. Just the things that I've done. <laughs> just, Alabaster has a tattoo on his wrist that says, do uh, not trust anything Dominique says. That's right. That's right. That's right. Uh, I uh, stick and poke I love myself you. with that You know weekend. who you are. I'm sorry, but I love you. Mm. Mm. All right, guys. Well, mm. actually, right now, I feel like I have a lot in common with Coach K as a leader of young men. Mm. So oh, I think that we can I'm transition uh, to our topic about the Final Four and our question. How will you remember the Duke-North Carolina Final Four game? Man, I love Magical. the idea. I love the idea, Dominique, that someone doesn't know what happened in that game until we explain <laughs> what's about to happen right here because yeah it was magical to me kevin it was like drugs in a real way like caleb love a guy who is by the way not good at shooting threes right he scores 22 points in the second half declares it's caleb time and puts up a three that ends the greatest career in college coaching history and it kind of falls through the net Right, this is the, the final. We got a turning point very late in the game. 18 lead changes. We get this turning point, and it falls through the net, almost like uh, a bit of Molly hitting the bloodstream of every <laughs> North Carolina fan. No, you know it's true, Dominique. You know I don't. this is true. I actually do not know it's true. I oh, do it, not know it's this true. This game went from something that was very tense to a full-on like greatest yeah. rave of my life experience <laughs> for every yeah. for thousands of Carolina fans in that building. Exactly I'd go as far happened. to say that it felt like an ice cold Corona. <laughs> Refreshing. Now, crisp, now we're talking. Lighting calories, all talking. of that. Now we're talking. I have never been to a rave. I don't know if that like I, I cannot make that that analogy. So I, I'll everyone was hugging for. way too much. A lot of <laughs> hugging suddenly. I, yeah. I know glow sticks. I feel like glow sticks are a thing in raves, right? Yeah. But there were no glow sticks. I anyway, know. I so 
we talked about this on Friday. My dad grew up in Charlotte and in Charlotte uh, or in North Carolina, it's a big basketball state. And it's one of those states where you have to be a fan of one or the other. It's a lot like Alabama and Auburn. When you go down to Alabama, you either root for Auburn and Alabama. Um, and my dad grew up in the projects of Charlotte, North Carolina. And so a black man in the projects of Charlotte, North Carolina, you do not find yourself rooting for the small, rich private school. Not that Carolina, not that UNC is some progressive institution. They had like a Confederate statue on their campus yep. uh, up until like last year. But when compared to Duke, <laughs> Great it, feels, it feels like Dr. King founded that place. Like he, it feels like Morehouse in comparison <laughs> to Duke. So my dad, when I grew up, like I had Carolina blue walls because my dad like indoctrinated wow, us all. I, that. I grew up in Maryland, but like I painted my room Carolina blue and everything was about Carolina. So it was nice. And I remember watching ACC tournament games when I was a kid with my dad, freaking Randolph Childress, giving us the business at Wake Forest. Like there is a connection that Carolina has to me that other institutions don't have. So I was terrified going in this game because there's no way that the team with five lottery picks is going to lose again on another pivotal, most important, dramatic game for their coach. But they did, and it was magical. Dominique, as someone who grew up seeped in ACC hoops, are you happy now that your alma mater plays Minnesota? <laughs> Leave me alone. So I went to Maryland. They left uh, the ACC for the money. And, I mean, you got to do what you got to do. And, no, I'm not happy. So mostly because – the ACC meant some reasonable trips. It yeah. gets cold. You go down south. I mean, I ain't trying to go to Ohio at any time of year. Yeah. So I am not going to the Big Ten tournament. I'm good on Ohio. I'm good on Michigan. I'm going to the southern portions of the country where they have beaches. You know what's good on a beach? Is it? Is it? Wait, 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 wait. Is it? Is it a nice cold Corona? <laughs> Never a bad place. And Never a, little, a, bad a little bit of Molly. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> Pablo, I'm like Coach K. It's not about me. This isn't about me. Even though Coach mm. K made the last 264 days about him, it's not about him, and it's not about me. But, but, but. <laughs> but I have weekend, this K shirt that Mark also wears. Yeah. Over the weekend, I called this loss embarrassing. And I got a lot of heat from Duke fans for not respecting the legacy of Coach K. This isn't embarrassing. This isn't embarrassing. This is, we should be proud. They are proud and happy that they lost to their biggest rival on the biggest stage after, let me tell you something, a month ago, Coach K told everybody in Cameron to shut up. Shut up. Because this <laughs> was a Literally disappointment. Literally true. This was a disappointment and you ain't seen nothing yet. We're ready to go. What you just saw, shut up about it because we're moving forward <laughs> and getting better. And then guess what he did? He did it again. He oh, did it again. It was, it was the thing he told everybody no, I, to shut up about, he just did again. And we're not allowed Kevin, to call that embarrassing. Losing to an eight seed. Can I you, ask a question, though? I, I'm sorry, Kevin. Please finish. No, you're losing to an eight seed without – I checked the mock drafts. Caleb Love is their top pick. I saw him going 34th. Okay? He'll go. He'll rise above because at, at, at this point, he, he will be a first-round pick because, A, he scored the most fi final four points – by a UNC player since James Worthy. His three biggest, <laughs> that's a real stat. That's a real stat. His Amen. three biggest scoring games of this year have come in the tournament, right? 
So he's a guy that's going to impress people because all all NBA scouts watch is is this this little thing here, and then we just make decisions off it, right? So UNC fans will Shabazz be, Napier. Like, I, I was trying to think of that name. The LeBron, guy remember LeBron loves Shabazz Napier. That was LeBron, the last guy. So made is he going to the like Miami it? Heat draft Shabazz Napier make and them. left. He didn't yes, he make did. them. No, he yes, didn't. He, he did. tweeted Absolutely about did. it. Caleb and then the Heat will be a Los Angeles panics. Laker. Rich Paul flying right to New Orleans right now. Okay. UNC fans for the rest of their lives will put their head on their pillow thinking about this game. It's over. They have the upper hand forever. And I understand Coach K's legacy. I understand the national championships. I understand kids graduating, whatever the hell he says he does. Congratulations to him. But this is a huge, huge part of his legacy, how it ended. That's how rivalries work. That's how sports works. Yeah. Yes, yes. No, I mean, Dominique, if you take a box full of Coach K stats and dump them on a table, it's super impressive, right? Like 13 Final Fours, the most ever, more than John Wooden, 1,202, I believe, like NCAA, I don't know how many, just a billion things, right? Like on five titles, that, nine title top- games. What? On top of that pile of greatness is a big pile of UNC Tar Heel poop. And I, it stinks too. And I cannot wait oh, it's until, I mean, I, I, I would like to see, because this is obviously UNC sold their soul to the devil. I don't know what price they sold it for. Like there's something that there's going to be a price for this. And maybe they're going to go like, one in 20 for the next several years but you know what fine. they don't care nope. they're gonna be no. fine with it it doesn't matter if john shire leads duke to a national championship because no matter what they'll say you know what cameron indoor we closed it yep. you know what we never played you guys in a tournament we made sure to get there because we couldn't trust anybody else to do the job we made sure to let you get all the way to the doorstep to then be like nah go home i i you know even more than that, I think, Alabaster, I think this is a fair statement. I think w- this was the worst game Coach K has ever coached. Yeah. And it came at his very last moment. And yes, the last two games against Carolina, of course, the 94 to 81 loss at Cameron, the final shutting down of Cameron, and then this, a four point loss in the final four. And by the way, like Kevin, that whole like speech at midcourt where he trundles out and he says, shut up, this was unacceptable. But season ain't over yet. Like, if I'm Carolina, like, what I am doing is I am making the montage that Coach K was hoping to make, except I'm just putting yakety sacks over the rest of everything that happened after that moment. It's just, it's, you can't, there's no comeback. There is literally no comeback in a figurative sense or in the sense of, like, that dude's not coming back. Something... He, he's, he's right. He's right. Something he was right about is that the season wasn't done yet because they had one more crippling, embarrassing thing to go. <laughs> That's what happened. He gave a speech to Cameron Indoor to say, hey, guys, you haven't seen nothing yet. And what he was talking about was another loss to the worst <laughs> rivals in their, in their life. In it their was life. A, little, a, a kind of a Christopher Nolan movie that was terrible in that uh, way. Yeah. Just like so a reveal, but it was actually even more embarrassing. We got to print up some Carolina shirts that says, is it over now? Like, I, I feel like the troll job is not done. If they win the no. championship, oh, he, oh Hubert's got to walk up there to the microphone. And the first thing he says, 
so is the season over now? Like that, that's got to be the move to really just twist the is, knife a little but, bit. And, and they've also they've also gotten UNC to a place where it doesn't matter what they do on Monday night. It does well, not matter. It. UNC fans won the national championship in their mind. They could lose by 90 points Kevin. tonight, and it does not matter. Kevin, this is the miracle on ice. The miracle on yeah. ice, famously, yeah. a semifinal game, right? They actually go had to go like beat Finland or whatever the hell, like in the title yeah. game. No one's going to remember that. No one cares. And this is where I think, like Alabaster, I, I would say, right, like – this is where my MDMA analogy does sort of carry through because the intense high, the dopamine flooding through your nervous system, there will be a crash. Like it can't last yeah. forever. And guess what? The day after, the two days after, that's Monday. That's where we are. So if I'm Kansas, not to get too ahead of ourselves here, but I love the idea of playing a Carolina team that just had the greatest moment in the lives of everyone associated with the University of North Carolina. I was trying to I was trying to concoct, concoct a scenario across any other sports that could be as painful as this and I don't think I can create one. Impossible. I don't think there is one that because there are no rivalries like they're they're miles well, away from each other. If, if, if like, Auburn if Auburn ended Nick Saban's career in, in the playoff semifinal. That would have <laughs> to be if it was a For kick six time. and Nick Staben retired yes. right after. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. That's the, Gets that's close. the closest. What's up, Allie? Can... So, Pablo, I got a question. Are you calling the national championship a trap game? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Dude, I mean, I, let's be realistic here, right? Like, you win the national title. Does it feel – what? okay, let's play this game. What percentage good does winning the national title feel if you're Carolina compared to what just happened on Saturday night? I, I'll do you one better. I wouldn't – I would want to lose as to not distract from what happened on Saturday night. <laughs> I don't want anything bigger in my life. I'm good. I deal me out. I don't want a T-shirt that says we beat Kansas. I want a T-shirt that says we beat Duke. That's right. <laughs> They're dead. He killed him. It's too late. So, oh, man. So I, I do – I do – I feel like, Kevin, you were hinting around this earlier, but I would like to hear what you have to say about your social media mentions. Because when you said it was embarrassing, the people came out and, I mean, the Duke faithful tried to argue that this was not embarrassing. Yeah. Is that correct? Count that's, the rings is the argument, correct. right? It, it's it was a Yankee that, it fan was argument. That, it was that you're disrespecting what these kids have done and what Coach K has done to say a oh. Final Four loss in a back-and-forth game is embarrassing. I, don't use the kids as a shit. I don't. Is this a good thing? Like, are you happy that this happened? I don't understand how this is not embarrassing. I, if I was a Duke fan, I, I wouldn't go outside anymore. I'll, I'll do you one better, guys. If Coach K hadn't retired before the season, would this game have retired him? Ooh. <laughs> I do, well, I do think if Coach K did not announce that this was going to go this way, like this is how I'm going to go out, yeah. this game feels different in every possible way. And I don't think you could possibly walk off the court having thrown a basketball off the side of the backboard and been like, greatest of all time, see you later. <laughs> I just don't think it ends like that. The other thing I got a lot of, Dominique, is uh, what have you ever done, Coach K, as a winner? And mm. my response to that typically was, I got you so mad you sent me three <laughs> tweets at two in the morning. That's what I've done with my life. So that sounds like a win. Now, okay. <laughs> Didn't even have to coach Team USA three times. Okay. 
Oh, gosh. Uh, so we had enough fun dancing on this, or is there more to be said? I don't know. I mean, it just feels like Alabaster, the last note, it's like, if you're a Carolina fan, you don't even need to say a lot to, to oh. win arguments now. You just got to say. I just remembered. Caleb. No, Pablo, I just remembered. Hubert. I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I cut you off. No, you no, no. I was Caleb just I was just muttering Caleb and Hubert, which would end any argument, I think, from here on till the end of eternity. If I, if I remember correctly, there was one person on Debatable that was rooting for Duke, and that one person is Pablo. Guys. Why? I'm not here to talk about the past. <laughs> to quote, you are them. To quote uh, a baseball player who has been brought before Congress on the suspicion of doing steroids, I'm not here to talk about the past. <laughs> I'm here to make content. That's only been my goal on Friday's show, on today's uh, show. To quote Mark Twain, the past is not even the past, Pablo. Um, let me ask mm. you, I, I think that there's some real, like Hubert outcoached Coach K. Like that, that's the that's biggest fair. problem. Is like, Dude, there, it wasn't, this was not a fluke at all. Well, Hubert, so uh, to pour some out for Hubert, right? So Hubert Davis takes over. This is his first year coaching this North Carolina Tar Heels He was on program, game day right? like eight years ago. He was our colleague. He was a New York Nick in my childhood. What a strange life. But he inherits this team from Roy Williams, right? And Roy Williams plays a style that is quite definitively the yeah. opposite of how Hubert Davis likes to coach basketball. Hubert Davis is like five out, a million threes, Caleb Love, do Caleb Love things. That's awesome, right? He has done this his own way. And along the way, he almost got like fired this year. You know, this yeah. is an eight seed. They he lost, lost to Miami by 30 points. You we lost to Kevin Clark's Miami Hurricanes. That's right. There were things that made you really worried. Like, I don't know if Hubert's going to be the right guy here. Maybe he's an assistant for, for good. Maybe he's a broadcaster. And now he is a single two-syllable name that you mention, mutter under your breath, Hubert. and you just trigger. You just trigger Duke fans for oh, as long as you want. Hubert, Hubert got this job. And so, I mean, we should give credit to Roy Williams, both of his – former the teams he coached are both now in the finals but yep. that's not why he deserves credit he deserves credit because he retired the right way yes uh, <laughs> uh, not look at me way. yo he retired he just up and up and left and like you're supposed to do you don't make a whole year-long <laughs> ceremony for people to celebrate you only encourage point. them to dunk on you then hubert gets the job and if i remember correctly one of the quotes from his press conference was i'm proud i have a white wife Yep. Out of context, it sounds even worse than it did in context. <laughs> it was pretty bad in context. Out of context, I admit, pretty bad now. So he was off to a rocky start, and we've forgotten all of that foolishness because of good old Coach K. He's a hero. He's an American hero. I want to yeah. say one thing. So in Florida, a rivalry I'm not a part of is Florida, Florida State. And one of the most famous victories, not counting those sort of almost semifinals they played in the 90s where the winner would go to play for the national championship, one of the most famous victories was the night that they dedicated the field to Bobby Bowden in Tallahassee. Uh, and Ron yeah. Zook had been fired. He had Ron been Zook. fired, okay? And he won that game. And so now Florida fans, since then, have called Florida State Stadium Ron Zook Field as a joke because <laughs> he won on dedication night. I'm proclaiming that arena in Durham to be Hubert Davis Memorial indoor. Oh, wow. I like it. Well, maybe wow. not Memorial, not yet, unless you know something I don't know. Well, I mean, we you know, <laughs> you don't have to change the sign if you put up Memorial now, you know? That's right. Right. You can, just, you can just tattoo nightmares that logo. 
you yeah. know, just oh, connect man. some letters, change Cameron into Hubert. Yeah, yep. you can make Hubert, that work. Hubert Indoor. Hubert Indoor rolls off the tongue. <laughs> By the way, oh. can I just, Alabaster is demanding out of this, but I just want to say this as well. We're making grand proclamations. Greatest day in the history of Hubert's. <laughs> Give me a better Hubert. Hubert Humphrey? You can't. Yeah, Humphrey. Hudson, yeah, Hudson, really? The big really? ones? Yeah. That's, yeah, that's number sure. two. Easily number two. Yeah, that's the only Hubert I know. Yep. Hubert. Alabaster. I, I Next don't know. Can't welcome. say I know a lot of Huberts. I will say as we move on that uh, worth noting that Roy Williams lost by 23 in his final game, which was a first round loss last season. And no one cares or remembers because <laughs> nope. it was way less embarrassing than that loser Coach K losing <laughs> that game. Did it the right way. Coach the right way. I bring us to the game tonight, and I think we should go into it with a little bit more depth. And obviously, Carolina is on a heater. Yeah. But Kansas is probably better. And our question, do you view them as a clear favorite tonight? So, yes. Again, the uh, depression that sets in after a really fantastic weekend of just, like, rolling on all sorts of just vibes and, and chemicals, right? You can't come back from that. Um, and meanwhile, like, yeah, and just, to, just to hit the Roy Williams bell one more time real quick. Like, you guys see Roy Williams in the crowd? Like Roy Williams in the crowd, just like dancing, memeing himself, just doing the thing, walking in the locker room. Like this is the Roy Williams Bowl. And I do think Kansas, perhaps fittingly, will be the one to actually win this game. Well, I mean, UNC has been on a heater is the right way to put it because they aren't good. Like right. they actually should not be here right now based on talent. And I thought they were going to get destroyed by Duke because I thought that they caught Duke slipping in that uh, in, in the last game in Cameron, but they did not. They were still on the heater. So I don't know why we believe it. Was it just because it was about getting to Duke? Like, why do we believe that the heater is going to stop? There's no reason to believe that because all of a sudden they've been playing lights out for <laughs> for all of March. I guess I, I, just because it's April now that they can't no, play anymore. Kevin, it's because we have all superimposed our feelings about how we feel about the final four onto how Carolina must feel about it. It's like, you guys yeah. only cared about this, I presume, because that's what we yeah. really only care about. Yeah. Well, it's also like their best players from Missouri. I mean, it's not like they hated Duke as much as the fan base. It's not like it was a bunch of Dominique Foxworths who had, who had Tar Heel blue walls. Oh, yeah. um, these are guys mm -hmm. who probably want to win the national championship because they're competitors. I don't know. Throwing that th throwing that one out there. Yeah, Competitors. I, I, great. I didn't think that I didn't think we were taking seriously the idea that that is actually a trap game. I thought it was just Pablo oh, I, being Pablo. I, like I, there, I, well, there, there will be no letdown. They're going to be intense and. Well, there could be a letdown, but it only because no, they were on a heater. I'm so invested in this take. Oh no, no, I mean ever. an emotional letdown. There could hmm. be a talent letdown, or frankly, it won't be a letdown. It'd be a regression to to the mean. That could reasonably happen. Like they could lose, but I, they're not going to be like, whew, man. We're still talking about this Duke game at the beginning. Like, that's yeah. the trap so, game is the part that I'm thinking is absurd. No, Alab I mean, look, Alabaster, okay, you want to interject? I'll just throw this out too, right? Like, what we saw, Kansas-Villanova, what happened in that game, right? Kansas has his big man, David McCormick, who just destroyed Villanova. Yep. And if you have size and a big man who you cannot stop and you play five out as Carolina does, I just think that is also a trap in the sense of, like, oh, this is just a bad matchup for this team also. Um, That's not a trap game as much as it is playing a better team. Yeah. This is a ahead. different term. Go ahead, Alabaster. So, 
first of all, <laughs> UNC does play Baycott, so it's not a true yeah, fight. Yeah, the guys getting twenty rounds a game. But second okay. of all, oh, I Baycott, must... the guy who just got he's, hurt, he's, who had to yeah, miss the start. end there of the last go, game. Up. I mean, Way come on. Go. Way they play five out more than they ever have. Don't let them dunk on Arguably you. Okay, well, I'm, I'm about to dunk on you guys some more. I have a question for the uh, team. Here we go. How many five-star recruits does North Carolina have on this team? Scrappy underdog North Carolina. I, I think it's probably <laughs> a lot. It's probably they have, a lot. They have five. Roy Williams recruited them. Yeah, They have five five-star sure. five recruits. My, my follow-up question is, how many five-star Do recruits does start? Kansas have? Um, Two? Three. Zero. One? Zero. 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 No five-star mm. recruits. We got to realize that back in the day, Baycott, Caleb Love were considered potential one and duns. They thought Leaky Black was going to end up being an NBA player. Great name. You know, it's not like this is some scrappy underdog. These guys are all McDonald's All-Americans, and it just hasn't shaken out that way in their development in college. But for okay, some- so we're we're not baseload. That's I mean, it's like looking at someone's draft stock yeah. two years after they were drafted and they've That's been right. underachieving. Like, you can bring all this five-star foolishness when but, we watch what? these games. You, Dominic, quite you, know, clear. you know what Alabaster's doing? You know what he's doing? He's doing the Supreme Court vetting interview with our new <laughs> justice asking for LSAT scores. Why are you doing this, man? <laughs> oh, so much has happened in this young person's life. How dare you? Oh, you what are you talking about? You said, define define I'm woman, woman, directly to you saying that UNC didn't have the talent. Well, I mean, just because that some they were evaluated as this high level of talent, it's clear that that has not materialized. Like, that's inarguable. So go look up your LSAT score. I'm sure you took the LSAT, Alabaster. Well, let me tell you something about Alabaster. I, I, did. I actually did. I did take I took yes, I, I know you. I know you did. I know that you guys all took the LSAT. I'm sure... Kevin probably took it at some point too. I was busy playing football. Did you didn't? Good for you. I'm proud of you. Good job. Oh, Kevin, let Kevin, me tell you something. Definitely, that... if you were to take a poll just based visually on this show, who here took the LSAT, <laughs> people would guess Kevin in Dominique's defense. I barely graduated yeah. high school. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Isn't your mother like an educator? What are you doing? No, she's a journalist, which means she barely graduated from high school. Oh, yeah. That's how things happen. She went to University of Maryland. So, you know. Fine institution. I mean, a fine, fine state school. You private school jerks. You guys are Duke. You're both Duke. I went to a fine state school. You went to Miami. Pablo went to some garbage school in the Northeast. Yep. And The Miami of Cambridge. The Miami of of Cambridge, yep. (laughs) Yep. Oh, I was going to tell on on Alabaster. Guess what I know about Alabaster. What? So, when he was 18, he wrote... You know, you write an essay when you're applying to schools. This man wrote an essay about the Drought 3, the Lil Wayne mixtape. That was his essay to get into UVA. And you want to know the kicker of this story? They accepted him. Oh, man. That's right. He didn't go there. He ended up going to Vanderbilt. But this 18-year-old kid, (laughs) you 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 know what the school of Thomas Jefferson wants? They want my analysis. Of the drought three. <laughs> if I know anything about Charlottesville, Virginia, is that definitely oh, vibing with Lil Wayne. Oh, yeah. okay. What, what is it? I just want it to be noted that the prompt was, write about a piece of art that moves you. And I think I know. <laughs> Do you remember anything about that essay, oh. Alabaster? Oh, he said he wanna... still has it. I'm going to read it. At some point, I need to get my hands on Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Oh, gosh. And I mean, to be fair... Mixtape Wayne, one of the best artists ever. Like, yeah. 
what what will be the art that you choose, Paolo? You're gonna choose something nerdy, aren't you? Oh man, I when I applied to college, I put in a list of books that I had read. You could submit a book list. Oh Jesus! Um, and uh, that's ridiculous. I got quizzed in my interview on all the books. Were you um, lying about so anything? So they, yeah, they were just asking you. They just wanted to test you to see if you were a liar or not. Yeah, if if you've ever watched the show we're on, you can imagine how much uh, metaphor oh, talk pass. I gave. Just a lot of jump passes about Plato. Yeah, I have no it, idea. Like, if wait, that they, they ask you to submit a, a list of books you've read. Yeah, so you could do like a bonus essay or like a book list of the books you've read. And maybe I put too many books on my list. I don't know. But I got profiled as a person who would have faked their list, I guess. <laughs> Which is a burden that I've carried around for a long time. But you also got in, so. I did. There's that. All I right, did. Kevin, you're so up. Them What's your, your big admission story? Um, I transferred a couple times and uh, <laughs> talked my way into a number of schools. <laughs> Way I, to like, go. I like Juco Kevin as a character. I, I assume was, I, I was, assume you went to like Glenn. I was transfer portal guy before <laughs> the transfer portal was cool. Uh, oh gosh, yeah, Kansas, Kansas is gonna win tonight, huh, guys? Well, so I mm. have some basketball favorites. If we can get to that, oh, um, oh stat me down. So I want to talk about McCormick here for a second. One of the X factors I think is McCormick makes almost eighty percent of his free throws. And I think that yeah. if it gets in a close game, that could be huge. I know that their best player is Ochai uh, Agbaji, um, who I know from yeah, the Miami game. Um, this is a deep team that plays really well and plays really hard. Miami was up against them in the half, and then they just got really hot, and they know how to take advantage of height. They know how to take advantage of things. If Baycott, if Baycott is actually hurt, and it sounds like he's ready to play through anything, but if he's actually hurt, they can take advantage of it. This is a smart team, plays hard, well-coached, I love this team. I think they win by like 15 points. Ooh. Set me down. Ooh. And Kansas this is the first team since Memphis in 2008 to win its Elite Eight and Final Four games, both by 15 plus points, to Kevin's point. Yeah. And one of, them, one of them was against Miami, who's, a, you know, one of the best academic schools in the country, just like Duke. <laughs> yep. I do Many love, are saying this. I do love when Kevin comes in and stats us down. But I was dancing too hard. I didn't hear any of the stats. I was too, I was too busy. I was too busy jamming. What's the bottom line? Bottom line, they hit free throws or something. Uh, they're yeah. good. They're, they're good, and they're going to win by a lot. Well done. Stat me down because I'm on. Um, they're the most complete team in the country. Shoulders. They are absolutely. They are really good. I mean, they're the one one seed remaining. I mean, they've been the one one seed remaining for a while. I mean, Alabaster. I assume you have like a demand for knowledge or actual knowledge that you want. To I I just would you know this is going to cut cut my legs off for my my previous point, but I would like to note that to your point, Kevin, they're the deepest team in college basketball because while they don't have any five star recruits, they do have ten four star recruits on the roster. That's how you. There win. it is. That's how you win. There it is. Four stars. <laughs> I would ask you refreshingrivals.com 2019. <laughs> and calling that research. Oh, goodness. All right. What else we got? All right. We are going to move on to some, uh, some golf. And our question yeah. is, the Masters starts this week. And how big of a deal would it be if Tiger tees it up? For the master, it's such it's such a bait and switch. Like we all knew, you said we're gonna move on to some golf. We all know that we don't talk golf unless we're talking Tiger, and Tiger does not have a realistic chance of winning the Masters, but he might play in it. So we're gonna focus on him and no one else. I'm not mad at it. 
I just as as I watch the NBA coverage on this network, still focus on the Lakers in spite of the fact that they stink. Yeah. And we talk Cowboys throughout the offseason in spite of the fact that they're losing a lot of talent and may not be very good next year. Tiger Woods is both the Lakers and the Cowboys yes. in golf. So let's talk about him and his son, well, Charlie. He, he might be there, too. Oh, yeah. No, the Charlie Tiger, Bronny LeBron parallels are everywhere. I mean, this is very clear what's happening here. Um, Look, Kevin, you know golf, I think. You play golf, wow. I think. Like profiling. You probably have. Profiling. <laughs> He's, profi well, He's profiling. Yeah, I, I don't know that. I'm just assuming. Um, but, yeah, beyond, like, I don't know, John Rahm takes, yeah. I do think it's astounding that, like, Tiger Woods got mm -hmm. in a car accident in which pieces of his bone yeah. were on the floor of the car. Mm -hmm. And now, less than a year later, Alabaster, is that the chronology here? He is talking about, yes, this is February of last year. He tells Jim Nance that doctors nearly amputated his leg. And if you're going to tell anybody about your almost leg amputation, just the soothing timber of Jim Nance is who I would select as well. But multiple leg fractures in this car crash. Like, we thought his career was over. And now he's, like, you know, shooting a practice round this week and is saying reportedly that he really wants to play in this thing, which ratings-wise is, like, the sun you know, being back in the solar system, but no, he's not going to like do meaningful things, right? Well, we're, we have to adjust our expectations. So first of all, my friend Shane Bacon put up the most viewed masters on YouTube all time. And guess what? About the first 10 of them are just Tiger Woods doing stuff. Okay. It's a totally <laughs> different sport when Tiger is playing. Now, Augusta is different than any other course. It's hilly. And that's why there was a lot of hesitation about Tiger being ready for this is because it, it, it's a physical, I know you guys don't want to hear it, but it is actually a physical course to play for a guy who had an ankle like that. It's just, it, it is, it is a, a, a hard walk, climb. a hard walk. It, it is a literal <laughs> uphill climb. Okay. A literal uphill climb. If Tiger Woods makes the cut this weekend, it is one of the greatest accomplishments of his career. He's not going to win because first of all, this is the deepest, golf has been in a really long time. There's a handful of guys who, if they make their putts, should win every tournament. Guys like Colin Morikawa, guys like John Rahm, guys like Justin Thomas, even Victor Hovland, Xander Schauffele. Guys we don't care about because they're not Tiger Woods. <laughs> I'm just telling you who's going to beat Tiger Woods. That's, that's how I'm tying okay. this all together. Those guys are going to okay. beat Tiger Woods. Even um, if Tiger was in his 40s as as good as a 40-year-old could be, even if he was Phil Mickelson asked last year at the PGA, there's just a lot of depth to the point that I think he's going to struggle. You know, he, he would struggle even if he was healthy to get in that upper, upper echelon. So the expectations are recalibrated. And if he makes the cut, I'm ready to call this, honestly, from what his ankle was, it would be as impressive as him winning a few years ago over Molinari. I, I think that this is – I think that there are – like this would be a sports miracle from where he was and from what people Whoops. in golf said – People who visited him in Palm Beach and kind of the interviews afterwards, it wasn't, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. And if this is his so, first return back and this is the practice round and he gets healthy, and people were saying in this practice round he looked really good, the only other time we've really seen him play is with Charlie in that father-son tournament. This would be astounding if, if, he, uh, if he plays and plays well. I think that one of the things that upset me, guys, when, when that accident happened, aside from whether or not he was going to be okay, is that I was worried that he wasn't going to be able to sort of be an elder statesman of golf now. He wasn't going to be able to do the part three. He wasn't going to be able to take the, the first tee shot at Augusta. Not only can he do those things, not only will he do those things for the next 40 years, but he can play as a regular participant in the tournament. That, to me, is amazing. Mm. 
Dominique, you've been trying to interject for a long time. <laughs> um, the possibilities. He does not try. He tries and misses the cut. He tries and makes the cut and then does terribly and withdraws at some point. Mm -hmm. He tries and makes the cut and does really well. Mm -hmm. Is there a bad scenario? Because I feel like any scenario that other than him not even trying like is a good thing for all of us. I think as the viewers, I think as Tiger fans, which whether we want to admit it or not, like all of us are kind of Tiger fans. Yep. And obviously the PGA and the TV partners would appreciate him playing. I think even if he misses the cut, it's fun. If he makes right. the cut and then stinks, it's fun. Like given that it's not like an old guy trying to be good, it's coming back from a devastating um, accident. Mm -hmm. Like to me, it feels like there's no bad ending to this to this story. And then if Charlie's there to give him a hug or something after he triple bogeys, it's still going to be emotional and we're still going to love it. Well, it's the other aspect of this, Kevin, right, is that like being old in golf is a very different thing. And I guess being old in every sport now, Tom Brady, LeBron included, is a very different thing. But like Phil Mickelson just became the oldest major winner winning the yeah. PGA, right? Last year at age 50, Tiger Woods is 46. Like, it's not like this is one of those, um, you know, it's not a charity scenario. Like it is, it, again, if he shows up and he is ambulatory. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he can walk around. Like, I, I do think the funny part about this news cycle is how quickly it's going to go from, like, uh, it's a miracle that he's there to, yeah. does Tiger still have it? So to, to jump off of Dominique's point, there is one bad scenario. We've seen it before, which is at his own tournament a couple of years ago, he was just trying to put on an exhibition, and he kept hitting balls in the water and didn't have the strength right. to hit it. 130 yards that's the bad scenario if he has a couple one of my favorite youtube videos i guess that's that's an overstatement is patrick ewing say. all with the magic with the magic he went into msg in his last year and <laughs> the crowd was so loud when ewing checked in for like the last minute of the game and then he takes one of these fadeaways and he misses it he misses it but he almost makes it and the MSG crowd still goes nuts over Patrick Ewing at age 40, limping around in a Magic jersey, missing a fadeaway, right? People want to be excited for these things. People want to see right. it. There you go. Oh. And so <laughs> what a cursed image. What a and truly Tiger. cursed image. Patrick Ewing in a Magic jersey. Tiger playing 36 holes at a Raptors. All we need is one shot where he sticks yeah. it to 12 feet from 160 yards out. All you need is one shot to excite people, or even not, just get them out there. Oh, he hit the fairway, great, let's celebrate that. <laughs> the the recalibration is just, so different. Just I, do you think that he, I remember from his press conference though, it did not seem like he recalibrated himself. So while we all may enjoy it, he might pull a Coach K and come out after and say, this is not good enough. Cause it doesn't feel like his expectations have fully changed. I remember his press conference, um, was it the press conference when he was in the Bahamas, I guess? He was yeah, doing that. The, hero. the tournament you were talking about. The, the hero. Yeah, he kind of made it clear, like, I'm not playing if I don't think I can win. Like, I'm not coming out here to be some kind of sideshow charity case guy. That would be sad if he yeah. does not accept whatever Patrick Ewan-esque celebration we offer him. Like, that's going to be uncomfortable. <laughs> if I mean, I'm rooting for him to play well, but assuming he does not, we're going to be like, hey, Tiger, that was awesome. And then he comes to the microphone and he's like, 
pissy? Wait, no. The, uh, Kevin, the idea that like Tiger Woods will resent how nice everyone wants to be to him. I mean, this is what Dominique's least favorite thing in the world is, right? The compliments when you know you're actually playing pretty bad yeah. and just like condescending. Oh, yeah. Is that like when <laughs> I text you guys great show after we're done? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I throw I throw my phone every <laughs> had a time. Great I, get time. That. I don't need that. To had be clear, I need those. Were, you guys were great panelists. Dominique hates I, it. I need that. I hate it. Be real with me. I'm breaking I'm metaphorically breaking okay. my clothes. Well, I'll just put you guys on a different group chat after this. Then. Thank you. Very good. We'll see where it goes. But Dom, do you want that? Do you want Tiger or Jack no. Nicholas? Jack Nicholas has been in mailing it in mode from a golf perspective for, for many decades. And there's a great episode of a show called Farity where he just basically like he misses his putt by like 40 feet. And the host says, Hey, if you Jack, if you had to make that, you would have made it, right? And he's like, Yeah, of course I would have, but I don't have to make it, right? That's the mentality that switched one day. I don't want that to happen for Tiger until he's yeah. like 60. Right. I want him. What I want for the rest of my life is the idea and the hope that after one day at Augusta or one day at the country club at Brookline, where near where Pablo went to college, that they will they that he will be three under and be in the hunt and we'll get to go to a press conference where Tiger's saying, I'm feeling pretty good, feeling pretty locked in and he'll shoot eight over the next day. That's fine. (laughs) But I just want some hope from Tiger Woods, Dominique. No, 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 no. I want Mall Mall to Tiger Woods. I want him showing up, (laughs) just monetizing the hell out of his image, just like lazily trying. Barely conscious. I, I I guess it depends on me. I'd rather have that sad version of Tiger than the version of Tiger where his brain can't keep up with it. Yeah, I hate that picture. There it is. So, Mall Santa so Tiger. Depressing. You know it. That's sure not what it, it's even it's even worse if you know what he really called himself. It was not <laughs> it was not Mall Santa Tiger. I wish it was Mall Santa Tiger. It was, not, it was, it was much Mall worse. And was I, I won't even repeat it. It's so annoying. But anyway, I think I would rather see that version then I would like to see the version that Kevin is hoping for. Because I think as Kevin is someone who, I don't know, maybe around 10, 11 years old, realized that it ain't gonna get much better than this athletically. And you was like, I'm That's done That's not that. true. As you <laughs> know, <laughs> as you know, at the Florida State Maryland game, your parents asked me if I was a recruit when I was 15 years old. They mistook me for a, a division one football player. Let me tell you something. That's called being personable. (laughs) That's what that that's what it's called. It's called being nice to the guy. And they knew that that they would butter you up and it would make you very happy because my parents are nice people. The truth of the matter is they did not think that you and your slick back hair and your 130 pound frame was going to be a linebacker for the Terps. They thought you were a student who would be excited by someone believing they were a recruit. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I had to be honest with you. It broke, no, broke no. Uh, your spirit. Does it? Would it help to know I was much fatter back then? <laughs> so they thought they, you were a run stopper? They said, who, yeah. is this, who is this Mac Daddy Santa? Yeah. They asked themselves. Oh, no, no, not that. <laughs> Pablo, you, had, you do. The point of the line is that you get close to it. I, obviously, would never cross the line. You, of course sir, not. <laughs> habitual line crosser. I just get close. I never cross it. I just get right up to the edge of it. That's right. But anyway, my point was, I think that the idea of, like, the, the, the sheer anguish and pain that it must feel like to, in your mind, believe 
that you are capable of reaching the great heights that you want once reached and then repeatedly falling short. That's why I don't want it for Tiger. Yeah. Not for what you see on it. It's like what, uh, and I remember thinking this when he gave his speech is like one of the hardest things for athletes is like you're in general, most athletes with exception of golf, for the most part, you are retired for much longer than you are a professional. Yeah. And in that stage, that transition of retirement, you have to at some point find a way to give up that previous identity and start to invest in a new one, figure out a new one. I would say normally golf, golf golfers don't have to do that. But Tiger, watching Tiger go through that and as public as he is, like that scares me more than anything. I'd rather him be walking around in his Santa hat and goofy beard and just being a sideshow and being comfortable with it than him walking out and tormenting himself every tournament that he plays in because he can never be the person that he wants or the player that he wants. I would say golf, and this is not an original point, has has an especially cruel side of it because it's the same courses over and over again. People don't notice if you're a little worse. Um, it, it, it's just a little bit different because there's no retirement age. Because Phil can win the PGA at age 50. That's all. You know, Tom Brady's still five years away from that, six years away from that. It's a completely different sport. And you can go out and, by the way, just play Augusta if you're 90. It just totally – you can't play an NFL game at half speed if you're 90. Um, Dominic, you couldn't even do it at 35. It's true. It's true. Revenge. It's true. You should have gone younger if you were going to go revenge. I was yeah. retired by the time I was 35. That was, what uh, age could you not do it at? 24? It don't matter. They paid me like I could do it up until I no longer <laughs> wanted to do it, which is all that matters. It is the dream. Uh, Dominic did live the American dream, let's be honest. Oh, yeah. man. I do want to clarify. We all want to steal at some point, legally stealing. <laughs> I want to clarify, Dominique, that my, I actually, at 10 and 11, still thought I could play high-level sports. I played ice hockey. It's important clarification. Important I, I, clarification. I played ice hockey when I was 15. I was mm -hmm. very good for the state of Florida in ice hockey. And when I was 15, I went to University of Michigan hockey camp and played with kids who actually played hockey. And that's when I realized, there we go. Hey! There the podcast audience, this is one of those moments where I demand oh. that you find the video and watch it because oh. I cannot do justice to young Kevin Clark in the photo oh, Alabaster has put down for us. What is that, XFL? Yeah, it was a guest of the XFL. Can't you read the you name number tag? one draft pick? How is this weird? How is it weird to you that I was a guest of the XFL at age 11? <laughs> I want to know what you're thinking because the face you're making is like a, just sheer fear as – Vince McMahon clutches you close to his body. I, I was I was a huge wrestling guy. I was obviously an XFL super fan. Um, I was just thrilled to be there, you know? Well, he hate me. I yeah. love how Kevin was a prospect, allegedly, as a kid who was dressing like an assistant coach already. <laughs> I thought that people were asking me about that, that get-up. Why do you, you look like an aspiring get-back coach? <laughs> We're bullying young Kevin Clark. Why are we bullying a child? Because <laughs> it looks like he wants to grow up and tell the coach, hey, back up, back up. Give the ref some space. <laughs> Stay off the white. Stay off the white. I can't do this. I can't do this. Oh. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're a cute kid, Kevin. You're a cute kid. It did um, look like I'm you knew proud. lots about recruiting rankings, though. I think I, was, uh, I think I was 12 years old in that photo. No way. No way. That was an eight-year-old. All right. No, I mean, like, I don't I, – the XFL was launched in 2000. Is that right? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. That seems right. Yeah. That sounds right. Yeah. Well, the glow-up. The glow-up. I mean, look, we yeah, all – Yeah, you I mean, are. 
Dominique's yeah, glowed down. Yeah, we, no, that's have, true. we have been glowing up. We've gotten better. I'd childhood. say we've gotten better at sports as Dominique has gotten worse. <laughs> that's fair. Correct. That's probably true. Absolutely I'm right. Glowing down. But Guys, <laughs> it's time for Shark Take. It's time oh, for a shark right. take. So I was wondering. Yep. I guys, I've I, it's taken three times, but I figured out uh, the currency that you guys can invest in this take. And what you have to invest is actually your reputation, because what I'm going to ask you to invest in is saying this take on a more reputable platform than this, whether it's on <laughs> Get Up Dominique or PTI Pablo or any of you these 38 Ringer podcasts that you're on, Kevin. <laughs> That's right. So, podcasts. Here is the take. You know, Anthony Davis went out and said that you know the Lakers. We all thought we were going to put it together. This is a season of what could have been. What could have been? My take: the Lakers are lucky they can blame this season's failures on injuries because healthy or not, they were never going to be any good as constru- as constructed. Can I sell you on this take, Sharks? Ooh. Oh yeah, I'm interested. I like it. It's a good take. Hmm. I mean, the argument, I, I, so, the argument, I mean, it, like, ahead, it hinges on the idea, right? That like Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, Anthony Davis have only played what, 21 games together all year, right? And yep. the Lakers are currently the 11 seed. And therefore, even if they had played, I don't know, like 50 something games together, they would actually still be a terrible team. And so they're escaping even harsher judgment by leaning on injury. And I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by I, this take. So I think that it's better than them going into the playoffs because the lights are brighter. Yeah. I think the long season of disappointment has spread the misery out over. Had they made the playoffs, had they been decent enough? I mean, I guess they still have a chance, but decent enough to get a real playoff matchup and then to watch them get swept by the Suns yeah. or some other equivalent yeah. is much worse. I think this is not that bad a take. I am offering you my reputation. Is that what you said? That's what that's the currency of Shark Tape. I will race either of you to a platform to say this as quickly as possible. <laughs> so, I agree. I think that part of this alabaster is that it, right now, like hoops diehards are watching the Lakers. Nobody else is watching the Lakers. If the Lakers made the playoffs. People would get to see how bad this team is. Like, this is reputation management for them to not make the playoffs. People are like, oh, yeah, they they never really got together. Chris Carter was canceled for saying that uh, everybody in the NFL needed a fall guy. Right? Remember that? Oh, yeah. That's right. Let's take the merits of that and put it aside for a second. But in sports, every franchise needs a fall guy. Every, Every franchise needs a little excuse here. And I think a combination of Russell Westbrook, and all, all of that and his air balls and all that stuff and the injuries are a convenient excuse for LeBron and AD's legacy. Because I think that they, in their, when they put their, their head on their pillow at night, are thinking, you know what? We are still dominant forces when we're out there. And I think yeah. the illusion of that is what's going to keep them going. And I think that people will say they're going to be good next year. Um, at some the point, problem, they're going to be found out. But it's, it's The problem with that is that Magic Johnson, I believe this morning on Get Up, after he came over and gave me a big hug and Is said he, he loves my work. Yeah, he was. He left when he heard you were coming. After after that, um, he went on and said that the DeMar DeRozan was ready to sign. His yeah. agent called Magic yeah. and was ready to sign, but LeBron stepped in and nixed it for Westbrook. So no matter how you think this protects LeBron, 
it's going to stick to him. Well, like, because of the power that he has, he can't avoid it. And AD's injuries, he's had so many that you no longer get sympathy for it. Like, I don't think that – I think it could have been worse had they gone to the playoffs and been embarrassed, but I don't think they avoid the criticism. Okay. Well, that's why I am actually tempted, Kevin. I'll just jump in here yeah, quickly. Please. I'm tempted to start a new side deal with Magic Johnson in which I actually allege that LeBron James is currently faking his injuries right now in order to avoid the scrutiny yes. of actually playing in the games that would officially knock them out of the play-in round as the 11th seed. So, I want to work a side deal with Magic on that. Dominique, there's no way out if he plays and they don't win. There's no way out if they make the playoffs and get swept. The DeRozan thing, there's an easy out on. It's called lying. It's called lying and saying that's not true. Didn't happen. <laughs> have, you, have you ever looked into Magic Johnson's eyes, though? You cannot oh. win an argument against Magic Johnson. You can't, because I just once, told you how. Just lie. No, no, just no, no, lie. no. Start no. lying people, and don't stop lying until so people stop I'm talking. So I'm going to – if we don't know who's, who's telling the truth, maybe Magic's lying, maybe LeBron's lying. No matter what, Magic gets believed. Look into that man's eye. He's got yeah. he's got magic. I leapt on a couch to meet Magic yeah. Johnson's eyes I remember the that. last that time I was in the seaport when Magic was oh, there. I Tom cruised it. How come I never see how come I see Alan Hahn and Dominique Foxworth and Jacob? <laughs> how come I never see any lucky. of the fifty best NBA players in history? Uh. I've seen Dan Graziano. <laughs> That's my crew saw, at the seaport. I saw uh, Taylor, Taylor Swift was there one time. Jada Kiss. Yeah, Taylor Swift one was time. Mm. Yeah, what was Taylor cool. Swift doing? She was Donald doing a concert on, on the roof. Oh, she wasn't, um, she wasn't doing Get Up? At one point. Nah, she, she wanted to do Get Up, but I was like, nah, your Cowboys takes are sus. Get out of here. Get back to your sound check on the roof. Yeah, she was here. Who else was here? Lots of people here. Hmm. Kevin Clark was here one time. I, I was. I dapped hmm. him up. It was pretty cool. Bart Scott's walking by my door right now. Really? Does he want yeah. to come on Debatable for a second? Get us nah, fired? No. Okay. I like I like being the only athlete on the show. It makes I give I get like some level of superiority. You bring other people on here, then I'm one of you clowns. <sighs> I know our our I'm traps are very are very unthreatening. He just Tommy's just saluting all sorts of fellow athletes there. Nobody for the podcast by. audience. Yeah, that was just... all fake. Nobody's walking by. <laughs> all right, I'll be back later, guys. All right, uh, <laughs> we have two bonus topics, but. Uh... <laughs> have you guys do them the first one after you guys mentioned christopher nolan our fan rage against twitter tweeted out uh making kevin clark batman we thought that was hmm. worth, uh, worth noting and uh <laughs> the last one from our friend long live the queen pablo doesn't want to talk about recruiting stars and lsat scores uh years later also pablo he has bragged about his sat score on tv as a 36 year old I was I was lured into doing that by Mina, who wants to actually do that for the record, and I don't. For the podcast audience, Dominique Foxworth and Kevin Clark are doing a dance that only one of them is participating in. I'm pretending, I'm pretending nothing, nothing is wrong. wrong. Um, um, Corona. Hi. Is this the first time? Is this the first time? Where are you going? Where are you going? Is this the first is this time there's ever been two people in one shot on the uh, Making no, history. J- Jacoby and June Lee actually did that in the same setup. Oh, come on. Oh, wow. Hey, hey. Wow. That doesn't happen if I was a fan. Athleisure pants, nice sneakers. Just letting the audience know what, what Dominique came in with. Um, mm. I thought Dominique had a really good bit there, and then I found out that Jacoby and June Lee already did this. Yeah, that's disappointing. That's this really disappointing. 
This is tough stuff. Yeah. Um, 1480, by the way. I'm not super proud of that. I mean, Mina is the one who's always 1480? bragging about. 1480? Harvard? Yeah. Was it the yeah, book list that got you in? It was the book uh, list. The more I think about it now, actually, it was the book list. Oh, no, maybe it was my essay about duality. I wrote about that. I'm from America, but also the Philippines. And how do I bridge these two worlds? I've been eating off of duality for like 20 years. I ran, you guys I, remember I much more three. about the college admission process than I did. <laughs> my SAT score was 435. <laughs> <laughs> Was that math or verbal? Physics. <laughs> oh, God, this show. I love how this show is so stupid. And yet, occasionally, the opposite. Corona, shout out to you. Love you.